Welcome to the annual question period great political quiz show, our favorite time of year. We hope you had a safe Christmas with your loved ones, if it was safe to gather. We're still here. We all know the end of another year in this pandemic. And not just to use a very unparliamentary word, that just sucks. But that is why the QP annual quiz show is here to brighten your day. And as ever, we have drafted some of the best political minds on Parliament Hill to win this. Yes, it is back. The resplendent question period trophy that you may not find at a dollar store, or you may find many of them, depending on your dollar store. It is not about the cash prize, though. No, it is about the bragging rights. And on Parliament Hill, bragging rights are everything. So let's introduce this year's contenders. Back this year for a shot at redemption, the former Quiz champion, she towers over the peace tower. She squeezes news from any scrum. She has a quintessential quiver of quotes, an astonishing arsenal of notes. Yes, it's Tonda, the rock your political world, McCharles. Applause. Yeah. Wow, that's quite the intro. Also back, because this Oliver always likes some more, please, news. The ice spinner who stops political spin, the blade runner of the beat, the sharpened CEO of journalism, Annie Bergeron, filibust you up, Oliver. <laughs> Hello. And new this year to the political quiz, the holy grail from the Globe and Mail. She puts the think in the ink, the pit bull of the presser, the premier of pressure. She is the ferociously gregarious machine gun Marika, the wonderful Walsh from the Globe and Mail. Hi, guys. That's on her business card. Also, and finally, the prince of the playbook, the brigadier of the brief, the Nostradamus of news, the count of committees, the cornucopia of quotes. He is the crown prince from the Republic of Politico, Nick Taylor, made to win. Vasey, welcome, everyone. It's all the time we've got for the show. You can go home now. Yeah, really? Before we get to the game, let's look back at this year. Look, this was another year full of ups and downs and everything in between. Check this out. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. This is America's day. This is democracy's day. Pfizer has now confirmed that they will be moving up 5 million doses from later in the summer into June. Hopefully that now that I have the second vaccine, I will be able to... See the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren. The vaccine is the best tool we have to keep people safe, keep our hospitals from being overwhelmed, and avoid further lockdowns. And that's why we're adopting an enhanced vaccine certificate. We are very confident that this proof of vaccination certificate is going to be accepted at, uh, at uh, destinations worldwide. This has triggered memories. This has triggered hurt. This has triggered pain. A small First Nations voice said, 
they found us they found us this is really part of truth and be part of the healing and reconciliation process for survivors to hear the apology from the highest position within the Roman Catholic Church which is the pope Reconciliation must support Aboriginal peoples as they heal from destructive legacies of colonization that have wreaked such havoc in their lives. Canadians need to have their say. Many people are wondering why this selfish summer election. We are already starting to look at what went right, what went wrong in this election. You are sending us back to work with a clear mandate to get Canada through this pandemic. It has been extremely painful. Uh, it has been the worst period in my life. We continue to work to process and support uh, people seeking to flee Afghanistan. About 12 minutes ago, the aircraft carrying Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor left Chinese airspace. The government of BC is declaring a state of emergency. All right, so what a year. Is everybody ready? Here are the rules. Please ring your bell only after the question. I'm not saying that to any contestant in particular. <coughs> Tonda. <laughs> uh, but just wait till the question. One point for an answer. A clever answer might get you two, and you can always split the difference. Are you all ready? Mm -hmm. yes. Nick, I know it's your mm -hmm. first. You got ready, the bell ready. there, Nick? Here we go. Ready to go. <laughs> first topic Moderna gave its COVID 19 vaccine an official name this year. What is it? Spike Vax. So Spike Vax. <laughs> Spike Vax. That's right. I was just guessing between Pfizer and Moderna. That I was one of them. okay. Spike Vax. It is. When did the U.S. land border reopen to fully vaccinated Canadians? Annie Bergeron. May. No. Marika. October. No. Tonda. November eighth. November. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> Honda McCharles, November 8th. Okay. Uh, Ontario welcomed a new Chief Medical Officer of Health this year. What is his name? I think there might be a delay on some of these. I'm going to give this to Nick a shot. Go ahead, Nick. That'd be Kieran Moore. Dr. Kieran Moore. I have this funny feeling we have about a, a quarter second delay for Tonda that's going to drive her you crazy. You did not believe me that last year. <laughs> it is true. It'll again. It'll happen oh. again, but I'm here. I'm here to spread good humor and Christmas cheer. Okay, okay. no, that is good. Canadians must be fully vaccinated in order to travel on federally regulated planes, trains, or cruises. When did that rule go into effect? Marika Wells. It started at the end of October and came into fully effect at the end of November. I'm going to give it to you October 31st. That, that, that's excellent. That's well, the end of October. I know. Well, we're giving it to you if you want. You have to take No, yes I won't take it answer. back. Don't take it back. <laughs> uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau received mixed and matched doses of COVID-19. Which brands did he receive? 
Annie, I guess it's Annie. AstraZeneca and Pfizer? No. Honda? AstraZeneca and Moderna. Yes. The Omicron variant was first reported to the to the WHO from South Africa. Which Canadian city had the first confirmed case of the variant? That was Annie again. That was Ottawa. Yes, I think you all, everyone gets a half point there. <laughs> oh, unless Tonda wants to file a complaint here, Tonda. Technically it was two cases in Ottawa, was it not? It was actually, one? there was two cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and one came the... from Montreal. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna give them all half a point there. <laughs> Because everyone here knows that answer. Uh, which province lifted most of its public health restrictions on July 1st? Marika? Alberta. Which country became the first to surpass 50 million COVID-19 cases? Annie? United States. Yep. Uh, foreign nationals from certain African countries were banned from traveling into Canada. How many countries were on that list? Boy, this is tricky. I know it was Marika. Go ahead. Ten. Ten. Tonda, do you really feel put upon with this timing here? Last question. Which vaccine oh, became happened. the first in Canada? It happened. <laughs> Which vaccine became the first in Canada to be approved for children aged 5 to 11? I'm going to give this to Nick. That's Pfizer. Yes. Does anyone know the full the name of it? For an extra point? It's the Pfizer it's what? It's a weird name. Comu something. It's a Comunardi. Comunardi. Okay. Uh, this brings us to our first thing. And Tana, I will start with you because we're, we're working out the delay. The pandemic. Uh, at the end of the year, Omicron reasserts itself. Uh, and suddenly this notion that let's put it all behind has changed. How has this sort of reemergence of a new variant transformed the kind of political debate around COVID supports and the politics of this? Well, suddenly it doesn't look like such a great idea that the Conservatives have been pushing uh, to draw down everything very fast. Suddenly um, we're confronted with a variant that's changed all the calculations for the next six months at least. And look, if it's going to go around the globe where many, many uh, countries don't have their populations heavily vaccinated, that too will affect supply chains, that too will have an impact globally on the economy, on inflation in all kinds of places. Yeah, Mar Marika, so the impact on the economy, the system, but also on the political debate around pandemic supports and, and, the, and the money spent on it. That's right, Evan. I think it really, the political debate reflects the push-pull that we're just seeing everywhere in society right now. People want to put it behind us, and we can't yet. And it keeps on popping up with Omicron as the latest variant, but who knows what comes next. It keeps on being this reminder that it's not done with us yet, even though we are done with it. And so depending on where the COVID cycle is, where, where we are in this pandemic's trajectory, the parties are trying to position themselves differently and depending on the ideology of the parties, some are looking more in step with the pandemic than others. And I think that's something that's going to play out in the months ahead. Okay, Annie, Annie, weigh in on that because uh, it's not just the, the policies and the supports. It's literally become a, a divisive issue on Parliament Hill amongst MPs. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Soon Parliament is going to have to take another controversial decision about its vaccine mandate. Right now, two doses is considered fully vaccinated. But with the push for boosters, that's very quickly going to be a three dose is the new minimum. So now the House is going to have to go through this process again of talking about medical exemptions and talking about whether you have to have a booster to now be allowed in the House of Commons. So this is going to be the big debate. Okay, Nick, last word to you. Uh, the pandemic that won't go away. 
Uh, and by the way, one of the interesting things is the Prime Minister keeps saying the pandemic and, and inflation are intimately tied. As long as there's the pandemic, there's going to be inflation. And the pandemic's not going away. So how does that transform the, the, the political outlook? Well, it's, I mean, one thing I think we haven't mentioned yet is that the, the debate about what happens next with the, with the pandemic is actually hitting the House of Commons itself. Like, everything's normal until it's not, right? And uh, Omicron is this huge question mark. We know it's more transmissible, in, in, and you can see uh, sort of hints of, of March 2020 in the real world yet again. And, and so it seems like almost quaint that a few weeks ago, conservatives were talking about, uh, you know, opposing a, a hybrid parliament. And they made maybe credible arguments to that effect, but now... The Liberals have, have moved first, and the NDP also, on reducing their, their actual presence in the House of Commons. Now, let me, speaking of boosters, I'm not boosting any scores, but um, let's look at the scores. Uh, and boosting herself into the lead, it is Marika Walsh with four and a half points. The rest, Tonda, Nick, Annie, 2.5. So it's very tight. And don't worry, we're speaking of the pandemic, which is another top concern for Canadians. Also inflation, they're intimately tied. How will the government tackle affordability in the new year? Is there any chance the Trudeau Liberals rein in their spending? We've got lots more to come. Ten more questions on the quiz, lots more discussion. Stay right here. You are watching Question Period, the political quiz show. Welcome back to Question Period's great political quiz show. And we are going to talk now about the economy, Inflation, the cost of living, these are the top concerns for Canadians in the last year and will continue to be in 2022. Food prices projected to increase along with the cost of a home. And with that in mind, our quiz masters are back for round two. Tonda McCharles from the Toronto Star, Annie Bergeron Oliver from CTV National News, Marika Walsh from the Globe and Mail, and Nick Taylor Vasey from Politico. Are you ready? Um, we have a small issue here with some timing, I will compensate viewers, don't worry. Based on the fall fiscal update, what is the new projected the deficit for 2021-2022? Annie rang in too early, but go ahead. 327 billion. You are wrong. Marika, the projected deficit. Now I'm nervous. Oh. 350. For 2022? Billion. Tonda. 1445. 144.5. And can you just say that with a little more enthusiasm? Just not <laughs> drop it on us like we were. Uh, 144.5 yeah. billion yeah, dollars. Okay, there you go. Coming to a generation near you. <laughs> right, yeah. A very near you. Uh, inflation in Canada hit 4.7% in October. This is the highest rate in how many years? Okay, everyone rang in at the same time. There's a small delay. Nick. Uh, 18. Yes. Did everyone know that? I yes. Mean, yeah. Okay. So yeah. Everyone gets a point there. The Bank of Canada ended this stimulus policy in October, which, in which the central bank buys up government bonds to inject money into the economy during the pandemic. What is it called? Marika. Quantitative easing. Yes. In October, the federal government unveiled a new targeted program called the Canada Border Lockdown Benefit to support Canadians through the rest of the pandemic. How much money is that provide per week? Honda. $300 per week yes, if, you're, if you have a lockdown order in your town or your sector. My God. The Liberal election platform contained how much in new spending? 
Annie? 78 billion? Yes. Conservative finance critic Pierre Paul Ever blames the Liberals for stoking inflation. He has a catch line in the House of Commons and on social media. What is the catch line? Everybody all together. No, you don't have to say it. Just inflation. Inflation. The Prime Minister even said it. He has said it. Of course, I, I, we can talk about the I merit of those things. I can't believe he actually said it. <laughs> Doesn't he know that's going to be like It'll end up in a conservative commercial. ad. Uh, according to a recent report from Remax, housing will increase an average of what percentage in 2022? Mm. Annie rang in first. Price? I think it's around 9.8% they suggested it would go up. Not close, but no. I'm not giving it to you on this on housing prices. Tonda? No. No, I'm, I, I don't have it. I was going to say four, four something, four six, but that's wrong. Nick, Marika? I could guess. Go. Another 20%? I don't know. 9.2. Annie, I, you're Oh, close Annie to should oh. get that. But it's <laughs> like a bottom. Annie, Annie should get that. Come on, that's I'd pretty close. I'd give her a half point for that. Yeah, we'll give her a half point. Yeah, I'd give her a half. The Canadian auto industry yeah, sure. uh, is concerned about an American electric vehicle tax incentive that would favor cars made in, US, uh, in the U.S. and they would have a tax credit worth how much? Nick? Uh, $12,500. Yeah, and I think Ooh. because of the time Tonda was tied there. Yes, Tonda wanted to get... It's actually two tax credits. It's two tax credits. It's broken into and they add up to 12500 Oh, wow. Tonda does get a one for U.S. On made air. and one for one for U.S. made and one if it's built in a union union plant. shop. Those that's right. Tonda's on fire. Well, the union shop is actually probably the bigger issue in the U.S. on that. Ontario Premier yeah. Doug Ford reinstated a canceled minimum wage increase set to come into effect January first. What will the new minimum wage per hour in Ontario be? Marika. Fifteen dollars. Yes. Canada's food price guide is projecting food prices will increase an average of. 5 to 7% in 2022. How much more will the average family of four be paying? Tonda. Uh, 1,900? No. Nick. $600. I'll give us anyone else. Six, got any? 650. No, okay. You, this is not the price is right. This <laughs> $1. Is, Right. No. This is actually sadly <laughs> no, for most Canadians that the it's price is wrong. It's either $1,400 or $1,900, somewhere it, in there. It's $966, mm -hmm. which is a, a crazy yeah. amount of money. Uh, and let's just let's start here, and, and I'll start with you, Annie, on this one, uh, the economy. Look, inflation has been really the cudgel for the Conservatives and the NDP. Uh, housing prices, food prices, everything is going up. Justin Trudeau is catching the blame. The Liberals, on the other hand, say this is a global supply chain issue. The politics of this may differ from the actual pragmatic analysis. How big an issue, are, especially with the new, maybe this Omicron, how much how big an issue is the economy, the inflation issue politically right now? Well, this is a major political issue, Evan. And you said it, the Conservatives have been talking about inflation since the election began. This is not something they're going to let up in the House of Commons. This just inflation line the Conservatives are throwing out there is not going away. You saw the federal government renew the Bank of Canada's mandate again, telling them that inflation is their number one priority. And it has to be the government's top priority as well, because the COVID pandemic and the economy and inflation all go hand in hand. Yeah, Nick, weigh in on this. It's the dominant I mean there's COVID but there's intimately tied to it the pandemic and uh, uh, the economy rather than inflation how does that cut politically well I, I think you know economists uh, have roughly a consensus that inflation is transitory and that it is 
you know, a fancy word for temporary, but I, I think unfortunately for those economists, the word transitory doesn't really mean anything to normal people who are having to go out and buy groceries. And, and you know, I, I got an oil change the other day and it was more expensive than it was the year before. And I asked why, and you know, it's supply chain issues and it's, all, it's, it's, it's everything we're hearing from, from economists and from the Bank of Canada. Um, but when you have to actually pay the money, it doesn't feel good. And so that's going to dominate, I think, people who don't follow politics every day. Yeah, Tonda, uh, for the Liberals, how dangerous is it? And is this exact, is affordability the issue for the opposition? Is that the one they got to stick to? It's a great issue for the opposition because on the left and the right, for the NDP who, um, you know, hold the banner up that we're working for people and the conservatives who uh, carry all, all, you know, always want to carry the brand of we're, we're concerned about the economy. Um, it works both ways. It's a pocketbook issue. It touches lots of people. Everybody can, can relate. Um, but I would just say that it's, it's also, on the other side, a more difficult issue for the Liberals to tackle because it's complex, right? To explain truly what all the factors are that are driving up prices. You know, you can talk supply chains, you can talk energy prices, you can talk global difficulties till you're blue in the face. But uh, people want to know, right. nevertheless, that the government recognizes their difficulties and is prepared to act. Yeah, Marika, last word. It's certainly a political issue, I think, immediately for the government and for the opposition parties. And I think to Tonda's point about housing, that might be where the Liberals have the biggest challenge because they have already been in government for six years and they have been saying for a long time now that they would address housing affordability, they would address that issue. Not only have they not made headway on that, we look at the house prices of the last year and the projections going forward, but they also don't hold all of the levers, all the control around the housing issue. So much of it is depending on what municipalities and provinces do. All right, uh, okay, so let's leave that there. Let me look at the scores here as they are coming in. Uh, we have Nick, 5.5, then Annie at six. Tonda has made a leap to seven and a half, but Marika remains in the lead at eight and a half. It is very tight, and remember, there's lots more, and there is a double-pointed round coming up, but we've got to take a break. When we come back, round three, Canadian politics, from the federal election to reconciliation to leadership issues. We'll get the great political quiz back on in a moment. Stay right here with Question Period. Welcome back to the Question Period Great Political Annual Quiz. What defined the Canadian political landscape in 2021? Canada faced a reckoning on reconciliation after the discovery of unmarked graves at residential institutions. Canada also had a snap federal election. That resulted in, well, very little change. All of that is part of our next round of questions in the Great Political Quiz. And of course, Tony McCharles from the Toronto Star is here, Andy Bergeron-Oliver from CTV, Marika Walsh from the Globe and Mail, and Nick Taylor-Vasey from Politico. Are you ready, contestants? Here we go right now. Canadian politics. The Liberals called the snap election on August 15th. How many days was the campaign? Marika. 36. Yes. How many seats did the Conservatives win in the 2021 federal election? Annie. 119. Yes. The Liberals won two seats in Alberta and in the 2021 federal election. Name those two MPs. Marika Walsh is first, I hate to say it. George, you hate to say it. What's because wrong? Nick, I think Nick has a small <laughs> delay, but I think okay, he fair. knew. So George gonna... Chahal and Randy Boissonneau. Yes. 
Nick. Nick, did you get that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw George Shahal earlier in the campaign. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm going to give Nick a point because I think he's got a small delay there. Uh, in the 2021 federal election, former Green Party leader Annamie Paul was defeated for the third time in the riding of Toronto Centre. Where did, what place did she get? I'm going to go uh, Nick and then Marika. Fourth, I believe. Yes, Marika, yes, fourth. Okay, you'll split the point there. Which senator did conservative leader Aaron O'Toole boot out of caucus over a petition calling for an expedited review of his leadership? Tonda. Denise Batters. Which province was the first to strike a $10 a day daycare deal with the federal government? Marika. Nova Scotia? No. British Columbia? Oh! And he got British Columbia. She didn't yeah, win, though. She didn't win. There was a pause. There was an awkward pause. I was jumping I in. Share. I think we should share that. <laughs> I'm going to give Tonda, I'm, I'm going to split the point with Tonda. Okay. Prime Minister Trudeau got into hot water for traveling to this destination on the first ever Truth and Reconciliation. Okay, all of you, you all know. Go ahead. Tofino. Tofino. Split the points. Uh, in July, the Honorable Seven. Mary Simon was sworn in as Canada's uh, Governor General. What number Governor of General of Canada is she? Nick. 30th. She is the 30th. Uh, Canada marked its first ever National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. And which day does that fall on? Oh. <laughs> I'm going to give that to Tonda. I lost my bell. September 30th. Yes. What was the first bill to pass the House of Commons in the 44th Parliament? Annie. A ban on conversion therapy. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about uh, politics. Uh, Nick, I'm going to start with you on this one. Um, for Aaron O'Toole, uh, he did not manage to beat Justin Trudeau in his first election, and now his leadership has been seriously questioned. We had that question about Senator Denise Batters, who wrote the note. She wants a leadership review. Apparently, that's not going to happen. How secure is Aaron O'Toole's leadership, Nick? I think Aaron O'Toole's leadership is quasi-secure. Um, there are a number of Conservative MPs who are extremely unhappy uh, with his position on any number of fronts, uh, starting with the election platform that he ran on and, 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 and going from there. Um, it's, I don't think it's a huge number in this kind of quiet rebel alliance, uh, but there are also a lot of unhappy conservative members. Um, Denise Batters has talked about how more than 7,000 people have signed a petition to, uh, to have a, a say about his leadership. So it's, you know, tenuous, I think, is, is how he uh, finishes 2021. Tonda, what, what's your sense? Has he managed to consolidate his leadership a bit more after booting Senator Batters out? after getting the conversion therapy bill to get uh, quick unanimous consent? I think he's worked really hard and he's had a couple of good, uh, I suppose, strategic moves in allowing, sort of consolidating his caucus behind him in order to push that conversion therapy uh, bill through uh, very quickly, both through the Commons and through the, the Senate. Um, I think that showed that he's willing to try and um, exert some political capital to eliminate political problems for him. It, it, it silenced a whole conservative, socially conservative wing on a very crucial bill that the Liberals have been using as a political wedge, a hammer against O'Toole. But that doesn't necessarily mean that going forward the way is clear for him. I think he faces very uh, big internal challenges. Marika. 
I think the only certain thing that we can say about Aaron O'Toole is that he's lasted longer than Andrew Scheer did after the 2019 yeah. election. I think there's still a lot of uncertainty in his future. And I think that's really going to be a wait and see approach in, in the months and the year ahead. I think as Tonda mentioned, it's clear that he is willing to take risks and to spend political capital. Whether he has enough of it to spend might be the question. And I think that one has to ask, why doesn't he just, you know, quell his critics by calling a leadership mm -hmm. review now? If he feels confident that he does have enough support within the factions, within, you know, both the caucus on parliament and in the party itself, call a leadership review. And, you know, that would really end the critics. It would show exactly how much support he has. Then the party can move on, consolidate behind this leader. Just one other leader who's probably even got more urgent leadership issues. Maybe it's Jason Kenney, the premier of Alberta. So we'll find out what the new year brings for Mr. Kenney. Uh, okay, let's look at the scores at the end of this round. After three rounds, you have Nick and Annie tied at nine and a half. You have Tonda at 11 and Marika at 12. Very tight. We got to take a break. We'll look at the world stage, foreign affairs, defining moments, U.S. protectionism, China, the impact on Canada, the great political quiz. Comes back after a short. From Afghanistan to America, from China to climate change, the world has witnessed some milestone moments we will not forget and will continue to resonate in the new year. Our next round is all around world events and foreign affairs, China, U.S. protectionism, these are all big issues. So, uh, back we have Tanya McCharles from the Toronto Star, Andy Bergeron-Oliver from CTV, Nick Taylor-Vasey from Politico, and Marika Walsh from the Globe and Mail. Okay, here we go. Coming up to the second last round. Foreign affairs, what day did the two Michaels, Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor, return from China to Canada? Nick. September 24th. September 25th. It is September 25th. Saturday, Nick. September 25th. <sighs> In what I changed city? my answer at the Saturday, very last millisecond, yes, and I'll regret so it for the rest close. of my life. <laughs> In what? Wow. It's confusing. It's confusing because with that amazing news conference was the Friday night, yes. but it was they arrived in Canada on the 25th. You just imagine how good Nick Taylor Vasey's life has been if he will regret just that moment. <laughs> in, <his> life. Uh, <laughs> in what city did COP26, the U.S. Uh, conference on climate, take place? Annie. Glasgow, Scotland. Which town in British Columbia set an all-time Canadian heat record reaching 49.6 degrees Celsius? Marika. Lytton. Gosh, and just to the folks of Lytton, we still think about you and, and, and the fires and then the floods in BC. What, what a year there. Uh, the rescheduled 2020 Summer Olympic Games were held in which city? Annie? Tokyo. Yes. Later this year, this country officially severed its ties with Queen Elizabeth. I actually have to go to Annie again on that. Barbados. Yes. The U.S. President Joe Biden was inaugurated in January. How many presidents have come before him? Nick. 45. Yes. Oof. Wow. Yes. That, that is a good one. Good one, Nick. That was a good one. That's right. You've redeemed yourself on the numbers. Yep. Yeah. On which date did supporters yeah. of Donald Trump storm the U.S. Capitol? Marika. January 6th. In June, Benjamin Netanyahu was voted out after serving as the longest serving Prime Minister of Israel. Who is the current Prime Minister of Israel? Uh, oh. Uh, not Benjamin Netanyahu. Neftali. No, Neftali. Bennett? Bennett. Bennett. Yeah. I know one will get a point. But how interesting 
just will make a quick point here, how the politics of that region have kind of faded from the sort of forefront as the pandemic has washed over the world. It's kind of a remarkable shift there. On which date did U.S. troops officially withdraw from Afghanistan to end a 20-year war? Marika. August 31st. August 30th. Ooh. I don't think is we there an do August it. 31st? Does that exist? No. They, which, <laughs> which countries announced diplomatic boycott of the 2022 Beijing Olympic Games before Canada? Annie. The United States, the UK, New Zealand, and Australia. Yes. Um, let's talk about uh, China quick. Uh, Tonda, I'm going to start with you. Uh, th the release of the two Michaels, a remarkable high point, as the Prime Minister talked to me about. Uh, by the same token, we don't understand um, Canada's policy towards China. There's this diplomatic boycott of the Olympics. Is that tokenism or not? We have no decision on Huawei. Um, how challenging is the China-Canada file for Justin Trudeau? I think it remains a big challenge. It was uh, one of the ones we identified last year as the biggest foreign affairs uh, challenge going forward. But it remains um, very challenging because Canada's trading ties uh, with China are, are, are very strong. We, it's our second largest trading partner after the U.S. So, look, uh, we've already been hit with trade, um, uh, I guess, barriers. Uh, when China slapped um, barriers on canola last year when the Michaels were imprisoned um, and on the beef and pork, pork experts, you know, some of that's been dialed back. But Canada will only, I think now, going forward, act in concert with allies when it takes strong actions against China. But uh, I think for Justin Trudeau, you know, this is going to be, uh, he's, not, he's not going to be his father's son in terms of dealing with China. His father reestablished diplomatic ties with China. Uh, under this prime minister, um, ties with China have gone into the deep freeze, but China is seen as an aggressor by many Western countries. And, and to Tonda's point, Evan, I think that what Canada is, is it's increasingly being stuck between two superpowers. We're seeing the Americans increasingly view China more and more as a competitor. And, you know, I think it, David Cohen, the new U.S. ambassador, the other day signaled this sort of shift for Canada that we have to follow the United States. This was before the boycott was announced. David Cohen was in Ottawa give, handing over his papers, and he says that he was sure that Canada and the United States would align on their China policy. And Biden sort of signaled the same thing back in February. So it seems like Canada really does have right. to follow in lockstep with the United States, which then puts us under pressure. And then just Marika, the other superpower, the United States, has exactly. not exactly been friendly. We mm -hmm. have uh, protectionist, U.S. protectionism on the rise, whether it's the $12,500 tax credit on electric vehicles produced in the States. That is a real genuine threat to the auto industry. Uh, they've, they've slapped on new increased tariffs on softwood lumber. There's a lot of irritants with the U.S. Is that a challenge? It absolutely is. And while the human and emotional and symbolic pressure of the two Michaels coming home was lifted off of the Liberal government, it was replaced by this pressure from the U.S. on softwood lumber, on the zero emissions vehicles tax credit that the Biden administration is pushing, which would hurt Canadians, Canada's auto industry. And it raises more questions for this government about whether it makes a difference, whether there is a red team or a blue team in the White House, if the aligned leaders aren't able to get get any policy changes that that would help Canada. And so there this idea that things would get better after Trump, maybe they're less hot, there's less fire and brimstone, but it's so far it's not necessarily leading to better policy outcomes for Canada. And, and Nick, the other issue, I, I want to talk about climate. We did mention Lytton. 
We've seen the floods in British Columbia, and the devastation that people are going through there is very real, very profound, uh, and, and we continue to think about those folks, Nick. But y in the news, climate change and COP26 was a huge part of this. Trudeau's third election win and putting caps on, on, on emissions in the oil sands. Um, how challenging is that file now for the prime minister or maybe even for opposition parties? I think it's a hugely challenging file. I mean, uh, the, the one thing that every critic of this government says is the Trudeau government loves to make announcements about climate change and and the, the, the impact uh, is in the immediate term unclear, in the medium term unclear. There's always a target down the road. Um, and then of course there are, there are always the, there's that tricky balance this government plays between uh, taking tough action and reducing emissions and, and punishing people who pollute, but also still subsidizing uh, oil and gas. And, and they have committed to phasing out those subsidies. Uh, but the speed at which that occurs in concert with uh, the other uh, actions they, they've announced to, to reduce emissions, the, the ramping up of the price on carbon, um, all of it is extremely delicate. Okay, uh, let me just take a break there and I'll give you the scores in this round as the score machine has tallied up. Nick, 10.5, Tonda, 12, Annie, 13.5, Marika, holding on to the lead at 14. The last round is a double pointed round, it is a speed round, and then we get at what are the big stories in the year to come? What are you looking for? Watching for in 2022, the Great Political Quiz returns in a moment. Stay right here with Question Period. Welcome back to the Great CTV Question Period Political Quiz Show. It is the final round. As we've mentioned before, the points are doubled. And Tony McCharles from the Toronto Star is here, Andy Bergeron Oliver from CTV, Marika Wells from The Globe, and Nick Taylor Vasey from Political. They're back. They're exhausted. They don't care. This is the speed round. They just have to usher their knowledge. We are going to have two questions each. I'm going to start with Marika, and we're going to go around the squares. You can steal a point if they get it wrong. So two, 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 two. These two for Marika Wells from The Globe and Mail. If she misses, you can ring in for the steal. Here we go. Annie's Marika. already ready. <laughs> Annie's ready, exactly. Marika Walsh, what is the name of the new U.S. ambassador to Canada? Da oh, I don't need to ring. Oops, David Cohen. Marika, earlier this year, Brian Pallister stepped down as the Premier of Manitoba. What is the name of the new Premier? I don't know. Tonda McCharles. Heather Stephenson. And Tonda steals two points. Okay, we go to Andy Bergeron Oliver. The Progressive Conservatives won a majority government in Nova Scotia. What Liberal candidate did Premier Tim Houston defeat to become the 30th Premier of Nova Scotia? Oh my goodness, I should know this, but I don't. Tonda can steal. I don't know. Ian Rankin. Ian oh, Rankin. Yeah. Tonda surging with another two. Uh, Annie, General Wayne Eyre was officially named the Chief of the Defence Staff. Who came before him? Art McDonald. Yes, Annie. Tonda McCharles, what is the name of the new interim Green Party leader of Canada? Amida Kutner. Yes, Amida Kutner, that's right. Uh, name, Tonda, name Canada's first openly two-spirited MP. Oh, NDP uh, MP Blake Desjardins. That's right, okay. Nick. Yeah. Oh gosh, Super Marika cool. wanted to weigh in on I all really these. I really wanted that one. I, I know you to did. get my points back. <laughs> uh, Nick Taylor Vasey, what is the name of the outgoing Canadian ambassador to China? Dominic Barton. Yes. Uh, Nick, 
Who did Roseanne Archibald defeat to become the new chief of the Assembly of First Nations, the new national chief? Who did she beat? It's gone from my memory banks. Tonda. <laughs> Reginald. Ah! Right there. It's right there. Oh, Annie. Half point. Reginald. Blah, blah, blah. Northern Ontario. Annie, who, who was it? I, I was thinking Perry Bellegarde, but he was outgoing AFN. No, he was outgoing. No, it's Reginald. Mom, I'm so sorry. Chief You're Reginald. so close. Marika. Can I get a one point for saying Alvin Fiddler bowed out for Roseanne Archibald? Oh, I'll give you half a point for the Alvin Fiddler because he did bow out. Well, you got to give me. You got to give Reginald me half a point. At least Reginald one point. If it's a two-point question, I get one point for Reginald. I think you get one point for Reginald because it's Reginald Bellrose. Yes, you Thank do. Thank you. It's excellent. Okay, um, here's a bonus speed round for anyone. I'll just throw it out there. In November, the Three Amigos Summit was held for the first time in five years. What is the name of the president of Mexico? Obrador? Yes, Annie, Annie, did you Andres just? Manuel, Manuel Obrador, Obrador Lopez. Lopez. I'm going to get. Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. Obrador. Oh my gosh. I have you... the last name. Okay. There's four uh, names. You had to get all four. I got I all four. I have four names. Most people mix it up. I'm going to okay. give Tonda <laughs> half and I'm going to give Annie half. And we are going to we are going to now just go really quickly. What are the, the big story? What are you watching for in the new year? 2022 starting. We know there's Omicron. We know there's obviously lots on the political agenda, uh, both provincially and federally. Uh, Marika Walsh, let's start with you. What's the big story you're watching for 2022? I'm watching for if in 2022 we can say goodbye to this pandemic, but but in a more concrete way, I'm looking to see whether voters continue to reward governments after the pandemic or if it is a see you later kind of feeling this year with Doug Ford having an election coming up in the spring. I think that will have a big impact on the federal scene as well because of the dynamics between the prime right. minister and the premiers and that's going to be a big one to watch. Yeah, Legault, uh, Ford, Kenny, that'll be an interesting on the provincial level. Nick, what are you watching for? Well, I think next year will be like this year in that there will be these waves of attention on really, really important issues that basically take over our lives when, when, they, when they come to the fore. So Omicron will be the defining issue of the first at least few weeks of, of 2022. Um, but absolutely, climate change is going to become, uh, we, we're going to see it. We see it all the time. We're gonna, we're, we, there, there will be tragedies in Canada and there will be, uh, there'll be really, really hot days. There will be horrible fires. There will be floods. Um, but underneath all of that, people will be struggling to pay their bills, uh, and then of course, um, like Marika said, there are there are elections. Yeah, it is. Uh, they're juggling chainsaws. Um, Any affordability, COVID, uh, climate change. There's a lot on there. What do you? What are the big story you're watching for? Yeah, I mean, aside from affordability, the economy, and COVID, I really want to see what the government does in Indigenous reconciliation. You know, the Prime Minister has said that his most right. important relationship is with Indigenous people. The government has taken some concrete steps, for example, creating the holiday on September 30th, um, you know, putting additional funding to the department to help as well, commitments to end boil water advisories, the $40 million as well to change the welfare system. But I think what a lot of Indigenous people want is concrete action from the federal government. And it does seem like there's the will, but I want to see if they follow through. Yeah, and I think it's, by the way, it's $40 billion, not million dollars. Yeah, uh, sorry. Yeah, no, but it's a, it's a big number. Uh, Tonda, what are you looking for in 2022? Well, a little bit of sort of all the things that my colleagues have mentioned, but um, uh, to me, the intersection of climate change, which is something that Canadians are going to feel in their daily lives uh, through the next few years, 
um, and the intersection of that and the economic policies of this government. Uh, the government has to not just pivot from, uh, its, from the past uh, energy policies of Canada supporting the energy sector to bring along those industries and support them in a green transition, but the workers as well, and then pivot to the green energy future. And, and I, I'm not sure to what extent we've seen um, success on that front from this government. Yeah, we are not out of the woods economically and certainly not from a health perspective. Yeah. But we are out of the woods from a quiz point of view and now we can tally the lumber, as it were. Are you ready for the scores? Here we ready. go. Now again, no, I remind you... I'm definitely you, not ready for the scores. Yes, you are, Nick. <laughs> I remind you that this coveted trophy is at stake here and this will be... Let us go at the scores now. In fourth place with an absolutely tremendous effort under adverse conditions was Nick Taylor Vasey with 12 and a half points. Nice job, Nick. I'll take it. <laughs> Our very own Annie Bergeron Oliver is in a tight third place with 15 and a half points. And you see it all comes down to that final round of two scores. Would it be oh, Marika no. Walsh who was in the lead? <laughs> or is it Tonya Charles who was lying in the weeds for a while but waited for that two point round? And in second place, with 17 points, Marika Walsh from the Globe and Mail, which means our champion once again is the Toronto Stars, Tonema Charles with 22 points. All right, it. everybody. Woo. Oh, wow. Nice well done, job. Tonda. Nice recovery, well Tonda. Wow. And it really was that last round. Okay, uh, first of all, I want to thank the four of you. That is for any political journalist to be tested like that is really the height of difficulty. So, Nick and Marika and Annie and Tonda, we really thank you. You work hard. You've had tremendous years and, and hard work, so good luck to you over the holidays and the families get some rest. We've got a busy year ahead. I want to thank all of you for watching and playing along. I hope you're getting a rest. I hope it's safe. We hope we get through this. And we are back next week with another special edition, the great political look ahead, what events will shape the political year ahead. So we've got lots to come. Take care, hug your loved ones, and we'll see you back here in seven short days.